Welcome to uh, the, Det- the Detroit Spoiler yeah. Alert episode. Spoiler up number 61. Um, so we've done uh, over 440 some episodes total if you add them up. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. 381 regular eps, 61 spoiler eps. I, I put that at 442 if I'm not mistaken, which is halfway to 884. Wow. And uh, then there's a couple other paid ones in there. I, you know what? I think that's plenty. I think it is. I really think it is. I think and considering the fact you've seen two movies at least per episode at probably 18 bucks a clip on those films at the theaters here in Hollywood, uh, you you essentially have Are losing kept, money. Losing well, money. Yeah, yeah. True. well, there's no doubt about that. But you've kept one production house somewhere in Hollywood afloat. Yes. <laughs> you have been the sole benefactors for some right. small like, like boutique fucking movie maker. Yeah. Good yeah. for you guys. Yeah. And a us your thanks, I think us for sure. Anyway. Well, folks, that's the, the mm-hmm. sweet, sultry sounds of Mike Schmidt. Oh, I always talk before I'm introduced. Sorry, it's all right. Hi. It's all right. No, people it's can fine. read the description. It's not weird. It's not radio. Yeah. It's well, not I, live I've radio. been on shows where we have to literally sit there for nine minutes until they say, "Hey, and by the way, our guest today is you know sitting well, here patiently." Well, they don't. They don't know how the fuck <laughs> they. Uh, they don't know how podcasts Do work. They make you. Uh, <laughs> you see the person outside name? the room. Sometimes I've yeah. been outside the room. Sometimes I've actually you've been in the room. And and look, don't put me in front of an open mic and expect me to shut the fuck up. I mean, you should because I'm your guest right. on your show, and I'll respect your laws and rules. Mm. But uh, this is a sovereign yeah. nation, by the way. This is no comedy film. It's is its own. It's a city state. Well, you made me like salute Singapore. the flag when I walked yeah. in. I said, "All right." Well, we have a little more. Uh, we have a few more rules in world building than Dark Tower did. Yes. I'll tell you that. We're not doing a Dark Tower. Spoiler up. The movie no. itself is a spoiler up. Yes. Because your whole afternoon is spoiled. <laughs> yes. Awful. <laughs> Nobody's uh, ever done so. that kind of wordplay on this show. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. Please drive safely. I know you're all driving listening to this. Yeah. Salute the CFN flag on your way yes. out. <laughs> <laughs> your national anthem's catching. <laughs> we're going to so, do a Detroit spoiler up. We're gonna t- and uh, if you want to give the rules? The rules are this. Each guy's got five minutes. Yeah. Guy with the most... Oh, wait, I'm oh, sorry. That's Thunderdome. Sorry. Yes. I just had a game show host audition. <laughs> um, one of the most points in the next round gets advanced. Hands on buzzers. Mm-hmm. Hands on buzzers. Ten grand to the winner. Um, it is... Here's the rules. If you've never listened to a spoiler up, we're going to go into the key details of the film, including the ending, all key, key po- plot points. Nothing is, nothing is off the table. So if you have not seen this movie and don't want it spoiled for you, you need to p- hit pause and go to the movie theaters and watch it. So nothing's off the half moon, Mike. Nothing's all right. Off the half moon. <laughs> Full disclosure, I haven't seen this movie. All right. Oh, you have. You've lived it. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, you're, you live You've it every news. three weeks. Yeah. You've seen the news footage. Yeah, that's still happening today in America. Yes. All right, guys. So it's 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 directed by Catherine Bigelow. Uh, she teams up again with writer Mark Bowl. Uh, they did Zero Dark Thirty, and they did The Hurt Locker together. And um, the trailer looked awesome to me. You guys very much liked it on the regular episode. Yes. 
Um, the thing I want to... I'm going to change my mind on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even say it. God damn it, I'm mad. <laughs> when I was sitting in the lobby for six minutes before yeah. we recorded this, I thought, you know it's what? bait and switch to get him on the spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> I hated this fucking movie anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what a Poorly put together. Didn't make sense. Would I didn't never believe happen. it for... Never. Yeah, didn't believe it for a second. So unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> never been a fan of Bigelow. Yeah. Now, I will say this. When we started at the ending, remember at the ending, a graphic came up and said some of the events have been fictionalized because we honestly don't know everything that happened during the events of this right. evening. They had to put it together with the accounts of the people who were in the room. Right. And uh, so here's the one thing I thought that um, may have been Hollywoodized. And I want to see what you thought about this. There's a scene in the film where they're playing basically kind of like the murder game with the suspects where they take a guy into a room they pretend to shoot him and tell him to keep his mouth shut to scare the other suspects into uh, getting information. Just the phrase murder game is so perfect. I, like, right. Because that's what they called it, and you're yeah. like, you monsters. Yeah, Har- horrifying. Yes. You have, some, you have <clears throat> something, and you, you've named it. Has it has a title. Yes, yeah. the, you've, you've named this. So it happens twice, but then they tell one of the other rookie cops to take another guy in and go, and they're like, oh, you haven't killed one yet. You go in and, and kill one. And he actually does kill yeah. one of the suspects and uh, he says oh it felt weird and like they're like what are you talking about and the other cops are like surprised when they've already been you know murdering people before that yeah um so but i he... felt like did, did that like that specific thing like was someone murdered on a misunderstanding of the murder game i, I that, see that's yeah. stre- that stretched to me a little i see bit. what you mean hollywood eyes too because yeah. i mean but but because I mean, if you're going to go extrapolate it that way even when they're roughing up suspects and doing stuff all movie, that dude is giving furtive glances and furrowed brows and rubbing his head like, I, right. I'm not on board with any of this. Right. And then he shoots a guy with a shotgun right. at point blank range. <laughs> You're like, really? that guy flipped now? I mean, yeah, yeah. Because you get the peer pressure. We had, we alluded to it in the original episode uh, of this week's show when you said uh, the fact that he, that the cop, the main cop, becomes, everybody follows him and becomes in charge. And uh, I said that thing where I was like, you know, if, if people don't make missteps, if there one person does the right thing, none of this shit happens. Right. Well, that's also a, a, a testament to if you walk in acting like you know what what's going on and you take you assert yourself, people will follow you and do what you say. Right. It just immediately became the Stanford Prison Experiment because then the National Guardsmen are beating people up and they're all following right. his lead. Mm-hmm. And he's just a rookie like main fucking patrolman. He's been on the job right. like two yeah. years or whatever. He's still in uniform. Yes. Yeah. He's not. A, he hasn't made it to detective. Was the character's and... name David Senek because that was the actual cop that it was named after? I mean, that's the actual cop. Yeah, no, I don't think he. they used his real name. I, honestly, the names are a little blurry because it's a lot of shouting and yelling and a lot of slurs and shit like <laughs> right, that. Right. So I'm trying to figure out who was who, and then I went to IMDb, and luckily they had that dude's picture with with the cop that it he was played. was the Maze Runner kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's a guy, <laughs> an, and I'll tell you what, he seemed really familiar to me, and I thought to myself, well, I've seen this guy in other stuff, and then I look at his IMDb credits, I've never seen a movie this dude was in, so I don't know why he seemed so familiar to me. Oh, he, he's been in a bunch, but I'm trying to find him. Um, anyway, the, yeah, it was the main, it was the main cop. No, it wasn't him. So, Aaron, we don't need your help. Who was the main cop in uh Was Detroit? it Will Poulter? Was that the actor? It that's the, the actor. Yeah, I don't remember smile. the name of the character, though. That's the thing. Krauss was the oh, name Krauss, of the Krauss, that's the name that they used, yeah. That's him, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, and he was originally slated to play Pennywise. In it, really? Oh, he you see that because he's got a creepy look about yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. There's no question. He's in War Machine. Um, yes, you know he's in The he's Revenant. In, we're the Millers. Yep, that was, mm-hmm. yeah, well. he's been around. He's done a lot of stuff. So he apparently. Well, well here's I'm why. Sure, he doesn't want to be known as the kid from the Maze Runner. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. 
But the, the, the reason I bring it up is they did an article in the LA Times uh, about a week or so ago to giving a whole sort of preview of Catherine Bigelow in this movie. Do we need to tell people what Detroit is if they know if they're listening to the spoiler episode? They already fucking know. Like, we well, tell the to... whole story. Give a little quick <laughs> yeah. synopsis, I guess, of what it is. So, uh, Well, it kind of... Uh, um, the, the thing an actual that we, event. It was a it's an actual riot event. in Detroit in but that's But the, um, like Mike was saying before, like the, the second act of the film is basically this incident at the Algiers Hotel where a... Um, Basically, a toy gun, a flare gun goes off because a starter pistol is messing around. They think it's a sniper. So then all of the cops descend upon this hotel. And then they start looking for the pistol. They can't find it. They throw everyone up against the wall. And then basically the murders start happening. Um, but the, the first In real life, half, three men died. Yes. Well, they, mm. they psychologically torture and beat everybody in this everybody, hotel. Everybody, yeah, in the hotel. Men, indiscriminate, young, wow. oh, yeah. they don't care. They're just, yeah, they- two white girls. Gets one, a white girl turns around, gets a gun butt to the head. I right. Mean, and, and then at the end of the movie, we get an actual photo of her. She still has the scar on her head wow. in a photo of a, like a graduation photo. I mean, it's right. insane. So, so they don't discriminate. Everybody gets no, it. No, yeah, it's it's brutal. What, what what's interesting and what's what what's, is her great filmmaking is the way the stage is set for this incident to happen. Like it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You see the riots. You see the unrest. You see all of these things unravel in Detroit that lead up to this incident. You see the corrupt cop before this incident happens. He's already shooting at a suspect running away and the suspect bleeds out under a car from a shotgun wound so and i have a uh, a question about that again because yes. also like i said there's those, all those sign points signposts where you go if this guy would have done the right thing none of this happens because right. uh kraus this cop there's a guy looting groceries he shoots him in the back with a shotgun yes the guy hops a fence and gets away and then he bleeds out to death in a car under a car so then they go to the station house and it's such pandemonium because they have so many right. rioters all this a homicide detective calls kraus in gets his statement, and then says, I'm recommending murder charges. You, right. you don't shoot a man in the back when he's running away from you. Yeah, I'm recommending murder charges. And then he get says, back that, out on the get street. back out on the street, yeah. And so yeah. he turns loose, because again, essentially what you've done is you've said, hey, look, that guy goes, I have no future anyway. So I'm, I now have, I have carte blanche to go start murdering everybody. I'm going to charge I felt. you with murder, and then, but go out on the street and do but your job. But they're so harried, and they're so overworked. Yeah. I mean, they're calling yeah. people in for triple shifts. He just yeah. lets the guy go back on the street and go to work. You see the and, overcrowded police stations that yeah. are just filled with uh, black people. Like, literally. Sitting they, on the they, floor. They're all the floor. in handcuffs. Whose prisoner yeah. is this? You know, nobody yeah. knows. They can't even walk through. It's so jammed in the police stations. So, yeah, so you and you have to do that to set the stage for the story. It was like so perfectly done. So we get all the tension and horror of that, but then we mm -hmm. also get all the hope, and we 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 immediately like Larry. We love the band. We love yes. the characters. You mm -hmm. you empathize with them instantly because they have their dreams stolen from them in an instant because of the uh, riots and things that are and happening outside. And they're trying just to live their lives. Right. That's all they're trying to do. They're not looting. They're, they're not, not doing any sort of trouble. They wind up. They wind up on a bus that uh, gets uh, besieged by looters and and people yes. rioting. They have to get off. And so then they mm -hmm. go to the motel, they get a room for 11 bucks, and then they just start hanging out at the pool and they meet like the white girls and they meet some other people. Like nobody knows right. one another. Mm -hmm. There's a group of like four dudes who are friends, but everybody else is just at the motel kind of holing up and partying and having some fun and avoiding what, all the chaos in their neighborhood. And then one guy fucks around, shoots a starter pistol, and right. then that's it. The cops come over and bust uh, that. And so, right. and you're already invested in all of the lives of everybody in the hotel. You know who yeah. they are. They're from Ohio. These people are from here. These guys, you know, and there's also a great scene upstairs where you can see it essentially tells you what it means to be african-american in detroit the guy says they do a, a little play with the starter pistol where yes. he 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 pretends that he's angry at his friend for eating one of his hot dogs and then he shoots him 
and everybody freaks out. Then he goes, now you know what it's like to be us. Because he does right. the whole white cop, hey, what are you doing on, on my street, N-word, whatever, and mm-hmm. da-da-da. And it's it's brilliant because it shows you what they live with mm-hmm. every day in that town. And then they get, they're get they fed up. The the You can get a whole lot of whataboutism where you, you go, oh, well, they shot the starter pistol. They kind of asked for this kind of shit to happen. Don't do dumb shit. You won't want dumb shit to happen to you. And, and you wonder, too, like, uh, what if the cops, when they came in, they would have found the starter pistol right away? That was one of the things that escalated the tension in this incident was um, they were searching, they couldn't find it, none of the suspects knew where it was, and they're like, well, we have a sniper here, we gotta find a gun. So those cops were not leaving until they found the gun. And I know that that mentality of, well, why didn't one of them just say it was a starter pistol and somebody shot it? But at the same time, you know, these people are just living their lives. And these cops descend upon them, start beating them, throw them into a wall. Why would you help them? Why would you ever come across and do any? You're, it's literally war. It's you against it's them. Like, you know, the only guns were, that are in here are the ones you guys brought. Yep. A- and, uh, you know, the suspect that did shoot the starter pistol, he's the one that panicked first. And he get he's the first murder of the night. He gets the shotgun. Well, he literally comes running down the stairs. He's completely unarmed. He turns a corner and Krauss and shoots Chris, him through a glass door again right, in the back. With the, with, the, with probably the same shotgun. Jesus. And then plants mm-hmm. a knife next to his body. Right. Because he didn't get to plant evidence on the other suspect who he shot that bled out into the car. Right. Well, it's good that that's not still happening today. And now there's video camera footage of just cops planting shit. It's unbelievable. The only difference between today and then is now everyone's got a camera. It still doesn't mean cops are convicted. They still get goddamn acquitted. Like the Philandro Castle case, you watch the video footage on that. Here's a legal gun owner. Curious that the NRA didn't jump to his defense. Legal gun owner and uh, says to the cop, pull over for a busted taillight. Hey, man, I'm a gun owner. The cop says, all right, just show me your ID. Reaches in as instructed in the cop shoes and goes, why did you do that? So this kind of shit has been going on for fucking ever. And in before yes. video, you would have said, oh, well. And this is before, too, the, there were guns everywhere in every neighborhood. Right. Like, like you, you literally, they were walking, uh, this incident, they were looking for one gun. Right. And then there was literally no other guns in the entire hotel. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, if that happened today, there would be guns everywhere. Right, because they're easier to get now. Right, you can buy them on the internet. So, uh, so the the way this film escalates, and the way the film doesn't let you off the hook, is another great way that this film was put together. Like, is the tensions mount? Like, you have National Guard and Mike. When we were talking about earlier, is if somebody, if one person had done the right thing, everything would have de-escalated, mm. and it did not, because the state troopers came out to also to assist the Detroit police. And one of the state troopers came out and goes, man, it's not right what's going on in there. And the state troopers look at each they're other and go. torturing suspects. They're beating people. Yeah, they're beating them. people. And they look at each other and literally go, well, we don't want to get involved in a civil rights issue. And they literally just leave. The state, the state leave. Wow. Well, I mean. Because they could have put a stop a, to it. There's a Detroit PD situation. We don't want to get involved in a civil yeah, rights situation. Yeah, because they bad. literally could have stopped it and uh, probably saved at least two of those murders. Well, that's the thing, too, <clears throat> to go to, to relate as it goes to today. So. Um, I just read an article and actually did a video on it. So <laughs> the Chicago Police Department has been responding to men- with mental illness, like someone, th- someone is suffering from mental illness and they have a gun or a knife with the SWAT team. So what, <laughs> what this d- doesn't surprise me because this is how our police departments have, been, have, been, have become more and more militarized now. Now, if this were to happen today, it wouldn't just be cops and maybe riot gear. They show up in full battle armor and tanks like they're in goddamn Baghdad. And this this is why this movie is uh, so relevant 
is it shows because criminals and mental patients too now can have it's a possibility they have automatic weapons sure now. absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely because you can just buy one online yep so it's it's um but but i want to go into um since this guy uh sneak the uh, the cop or cynic um None of, none of these cops ever served any jail time or anything. No. Well, they, that, yeah, that was, they so how did they handle that at the and end? And that was the third part of the movie where Mike's right. Like after you follow like that situation, the standoff in the hotel, when you go into now um, the jury and the trial and uh, And a very the, the lumpy John arguments. Krasinski shows up. I was I couldn't even I didn't even recognize him at first. <laughs> Who I was like, he? is that John Krasinski? The guy from the office. One, one no, of the, I know. He's, 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 <laughs> he's one, playing the movie. He's one of the attorneys. He's the union lawyer for the cops. Oh. Right. And I'm like looking at him, like, is that, I think that's yeah, that is the guy from the. It almost looked like he was wearing an ill-fitting fat suit. Right, he right. Just, he it, just he looked weird. It, it, he did look weird. I don't know. It'd be funny if that was actually prosthetics to look like the. Actual I was wondering. Guy in well, I mean, because that's what I meant in the lumpy. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. just it just looked odd. Um, so, Aaron, can you look that up? Was John Krasinski wearing <laughs> prosthetics for uh, Detroit? <laughs> so, because uh, the real guy, by the way, is still alive. And the reporter from the L.A. Times went because he's the, the real cop, the real cop, one of mm -hmm. the real cops, the ringleader guy, yeah. Krause. Yeah, because there's three main terrible cops. Right. So David, um, the, the character that Krause is based on is still he's living in the suburbs of. We get uh, that at the uh, end on the title card. Really? They never. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they tell us they go, you know, they show you the everybody involved and they say those guys never. They were all acquitted. They never served a, jail, a day in jail for it. But, but they, they were all taken off. Yeah, they never returned duty. to active duty. And mm -hmm. one of them was uh, a civil suit was filed against him, and he had to pay $5,000. Right. That was it. Wow. And so he's still alive, and he's living outside of Detroit. When a reporter for the L.A. Times went to go talk to him for, for this specific article, he slammed the door in his face. Wow, that's weird that he wouldn't have uh, anything to say. Yeah, he's still an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> well, Murdering I mean, asshole. But, yeah. but, right, yes. He's a terrible <laughs> monster and awful. But But... But maybe he's spent the last 50 years drinking and trying to forget the fact that he was a monster as a young man and has no interest in having a scab torn off and revisiting the fact that he was such a terrible monster who ruined so many people's lives. Maybe. I'm maybe not, he's like, fuck him, I was doing my job. Could be that too. <laughs> I, I, I'm, but I'm just saying- I, We will never it's know. It's such an odd- Coin flip to analyze this from any. I'm not right. look. I'm not empathizing with this motherfucker. I mean, you you know you kill. Oh people. fuck him! I don't give a fuck what his last fifty years have been and how many drinks he's had. He can kind of suck it, which you is fine. <laughs> I'm just saying that if a, if a reporter came to my door fifty years after I did the worst fucking thing I'd ever done in my entire life, I'd slam the door myself. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I might go. Yeah, let's talk about it. I was wrong. <clears throat> not after fifty years. You would have done it before. If you were if you were going to do that, you yeah. would probably have done it before that. But I'm not a murdering cop. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the film. So how does it end in the courtroom? <laughs> not a murdering cop. Uh, so it, in this, the, like I said, the opening sets up where you really feel for everyone. You get invested in all yes. of their uh, personalities. Then the second half is the brutality. Right. It's it's got to be forty five minutes in that hotel easily, might, maybe an hour. And now I will say this too. Again, this is Catherine, Catherine Bigelow's great filmmaking. The third act is short because we already know we don't drag out a long court scene. But again, we scene. get a lot of objection overruled, yes. and we get a lot yep. of the um, you know the the African Americans who were in the hotel are on the stand. Like Larry gets you know Larry's life is destroyed. Right. Larry, he he's again, he's a promising singer. He's the leader of the dramatics. The dramatics are an actual band who then go on to have hits. Yes. Right. So mm -hmm. he's he's the leader of the dramatics. Well, his his brother gets murdered in the hotel. He's beaten all night long. Uh, and one of the one of the most obscene moments for me of the movie is the cops make them pray. The cops have them all up face against the wall and they go, You better fucking pray. 
right now that I don't start killing all of you. I, and I mean loudly. So he makes everybody, every every person, the white girls, the African-American guys, they're all praying loudly to their Jesus, their God. And they're laughing. The cops are laughing at them and going, you need to pray. And then this, this Larry character, who's the lead singer of the dramatics, he literally starts singing. And he's singing almost a, a, a hymnal that he's making up on the spot. He gets on his knees and he's singing. And the cops point at him and they go, he's really fucking praying. And they start laughing. And you, you're you sick then because it makes sense to me later why he doesn't want to sing anymore. Right. Because exactly. he had to sing for his life, essentially. Right. And it's now associated in his brain with the death of his brother and the horrible torment and treatment. They made him... It was so, it, it was such a slavery moment right. where it's like, dance, boy, do what we say, right. and they all do. They have to. There's nothing else they can do. So he doesn't stay with the band at the end. In fact, he sings in a church choir, and that's And he basically goes... Well, but also, but before that, there's years of struggle where he's living in an apartment with a broken window. You see he's eating soup out of a pan with a wooden spoon his life is crushed is destroyed how how much time do they spend on the sort of the recap and what happened between then like showing that this guy didn't do the band and like how much time do they spend it actually wasn't a lot of time you only get a couple of scenes but they're they're packed full of information where you understand what's going on the purpose of the film honestly is a setup and a um like almost like a denouement uh for this horrible thing that happened at the Algiers. You really, the heart of the movie is the scene in the Algiers, what actually happened. So you have kind of the setup to that and then the aftermath of that. But those things are almost like bookends. Mm. But Catherine Bigelow is really focusing your attention on the act itself in the middle of the film. Yeah, which it's just sort of how she's handled stuff before. It's it's almost like you got the five heartbeats and then the verdict (laughs) 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 sandwiched around hostile. Right, <laughs> because that's it a is, weird but good way to put it. Yeah, you you just see these people with dreams and lives and they and what they want to be, and then you see them all completely come crashing down and they're destroyed. I mean, there's a scene where Anthony Mackie is a he's an airborne soldier, and uh, they bring him in a room and they start beating him up. They tune him up and they right. tell him he's a pimp. You're pimping out these white girls, and he's like, I'm not a pimp because I was I was. He, why are you in Detroit? And he's like, I was in the army. And they go, oh, You probably drove a fucking supply truck. And he goes, I was airborne, did two tours. And they and they like literally they're just but they still try to break him. They still try to break him. Even when he gives the government ID, they go, "All right, fine, yeah." And then they they back off him a little bit. Yeah, a little bit it's because like, they well, realize he like, was airborne. But they still beat the right. shit out of him. Yeah, you know what I mean? And they're like, "Well, I don't like GI Joe for this. I think he's clean." Like, he's clean. Know, yeah. Yep. But what what happened, which was um, the way it played out, is the one the one suspect who shot the starter pistol was the first one that got murdered when he was running down the stairs. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a suspect left for them. To find, yeah, there was. So, they weren't hiding uh, anything really. Mm-hmm. They already killed the guy who had the starter pistol. Right. What they were, what they were trying to do, I think. That, like I said, the people in the house, and they never found the pistol. That actually no. came up at the end too in a card. The pistol was never found. Right. And let's talk about. Uh, is it Boyega? Boyega? What's the name John of John Boyega? Yeah, John Boyega. He's from Star Wars. A, yeah, a really interesting character. He we we meet him when he first arrives at his house and his mom is there. And he's just come home from work and he takes a phone call and he has to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And his mom's like, you just got off work. He goes, Ma, two jobs, two bosses. I, I got to go back. They want me to guard because of the rioting. So he's guarding a grocery store from the rioters and the looters. So he's in full uniform with a shotgun. And we see him intervene once when the uh, the police are, are you know, 
terrorizing an African-American youth in the street. Mm-hmm. And the African-American youth is all piss and vinegar. And he's like, fuck you guys. Fuck you. And he comes over. He's like, oh, this is my nephew. And the, the, He saves him from it. Yeah, but the kid has no gratitude. He's like, no, thanks, he's Uncle like, Tom. Yeah, he Way calls to go, him man. Uncle Tom. Yeah, because wow. he, he wants him to stand up to the white cops with him. And he goes, hey, man, keep walking. Don't look back. I'm saving your life. And Because Boyega is not – he's just – he's literally he's, – he's neutral good. All right, he's literally, he just wants to make sure that any black person gets out unscathed. Right. He doesn't want to escalate. When the when the National Guard shows up, he brings them coffee right, and cups. And, and there's a great moment, too, where he brings them cups, and they all kind of look at him warily because he, he says, hey, look, I'm going to go tell them we're here because they're black men with shotguns. So he basically wants to go, hey, look, don't fucking put a bullet in me because we're guarding the grocery store across the street. But also, he realizes to ingratiate himself to the white guys is, is the only smart move. Right. So he brings over four cups. He's pouring them coffee. And it's white white National Guardsmen in there. They try to ask him questions like he's the representative of all the African-Americans. So he's like, all right. And the guy goes, this is pretty good coffee. And then one of the guys goes, you got any sugar? Like he's their fucking waiter. You know, he's, and, he just, and the best part is he looks up and he goes, don't push it. Yeah. And it's the only moment in the movie he has any sort of... I would say balls right. pushback or, or yeah pushback is a, a mm-hmm. much better word mm-hmm. because he's, he brings in the coffee and he's very ingratiating hands up hey guys where you were across the street because they, they ask him like uh, well how, how long do you think this riding is going to last how long do you think these in, Negroes will be out here you people like, your people he's like well how should I know <laughs> yeah it's great it's, it's you can just see it's a great team and, and then he later on and again his fate you, you, it, he gets he he's gets a, a little bit lost in the um, he's in the weird whole, though he's he's like a weird whole, Greek chorus like why are they letting him hang around at all right because he's a security guard he's he's ha- he's there as a witness to the what happens at the Algiers but he doesn't really affect the outcome <laughs> he's much. not a he's, cop and he doesn't get the respect of the cops right he, but he's also not one of the black guys up against the wall he's just again right. he's literally an observer he just mm-hmm. kind of floats around in the background and he's involved in all of it he he also saves one of the guys who's about to get really tuned up and he goes no I'll take him I'll take him because they're beating the shit out of him on the floor right and they throw they give him a knife they beat up a suspect they put him on the ground they put a knife next to him they go you want to stab me don't you why don't you pick it up why don't they go the shane moment you know they go hey right, grab right. it why don't you, you want to stab me one of the cops is mouthing off that cop looked like dermot Mulroney slept with are you gross um <laughs> and it, you know they and just didn't take a shower for a yeah week. oh my god they were all just sweaty and fucking <laughs> brutal because again they it really is this gritty grimy you mm-hmm. you imagine it's all taking place after three days of chaos Right. And it's just a bunch of, it's a room full of people who haven't slept and the terrible things that can happen when people get out of control and give their lives over to just fucking doing whatever they want. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. I mean, it's just, and you see it unfolding. And like I said, it's shot very much like a horror movie, that center yes. section, you know, where you, you don't, it's, it's, there's a scene where those two guys, like I said, they try to escape, Larry and his brother, and right. they run. They run into a basement, and there's flashlights going, and there's a guy coming in through a door, and then they see a yep. face in a window, all like these little tiny jump scares, and they have to go back to the real horror. Right. Uh, you know, they yeah, run, they, they escape into an actual horror movie, but mm-hmm. then they have to go back to what they've been experiencing. Right. Like even like the National Guard, you could see some of the, the young guys like, well, what what do we do? Like, like mm-hmm. how, how, you know, we weren't trained for this specific situation. Like, what are we supposed to do? And like I said, it goes straight Stanford prison experiment because the fucking the National Guard just follows the cops lead and they play right. the murder game. Yeah, they do it. They beat them. up the suspects. They call them the N-word. They do all right. of that until right. a real murder happens. One of the National Guardsmen sees one of the cops shoot the other guy at point blank range and then he goes uh, let me get let me get one of these guys out of here yeah and he goes and he saves one of the dudes in the other room and then they and i know that dude another guy saves that guy from the back but the the main national guardsman goes all right we're leaving we're uh, we're just we're done and they split they take off and then they leave those people alone with the detroit pd right and then even dude the detroit pd realizes everything has gone to hell when they're one of their own murders that guy fine they're like we got to get out of here so they take every suspect in and show them a dead body and they go what's that 
And the and Anthony Mackie goes, I don't see nothing. He goes, right, you don't see nothing. You didn't hear nothing. Go. And they let him go. Then they bring in Larry, Larry from the, the singer. And he goes, what do you see here? And he goes, I, I, don't, I, I don't see nothing. And he goes, all right, you don't see nothing. Go. And they bring in Larry's brother. And he goes, I see a dead man. And he goes, let's ask, try this again. Let's try this again. And he pulls out his fucking revolver. And he goes, what do you see there on the floor? And he just goes, I see a dead man. And I know that you killed him. And he goes, all right. He mur- executes him right there in the room. Right. That was, yeah, one of the other murders. Mm-hmm. So that's the third guy who dies. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's you. You see the naked, unbelievable horror so, and aggression. Because you just... see weird, like like um, like there's a couple moments like uh, when that guy screws up the murder game and he kills uh, yeah. one guy. Like like the head bad cop is like, "What? You're so surprised that this happened? Like, uh, you're like, oh, you're not supposed to kill them. Like, well, you just <laughs> you just did. This is like you're your killing second. people. Yeah, yeah, you're killing people all the time. Why, why are you so surprised? Yeah. So um, and the the white girl dynamic is you know they're two girls who are there and they they might be doing some prostitution to get some money but they they're also kind of hanging out just partying. Mm-hmm. Well, when the cops first descend upon the hotel, they're in the room with Anthony Mackie. They're just playing cards and they we haven't seen them do anything untoward. She made out a little bit with Larry, but they're just right. they're just hanging out, drinking a little bit, having fun. It, it's trying to they they made it clear more that they're they're just there to kind of have fun and have a good time. They're partying. They're in town yeah, from Ohio. Yeah, her, not... her dad's a judge. Yeah, they're not they're they're not prostitutes, and... but they joke around about it. Yes. So it's like, mm-hmm. but so then they're in the room with Anthony Mackie, and Anthony Mackie hears the cops coming upstairs, and he goes, he looks at the two white girls, he goes, "Put your hands on your head and don't say a word." And they go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Do it, just do it right now." I'm telling you, put your hands on your head, don't say a word, and they all three of them do it, and then the cops come to the door and they go, "Put your hands on your fucking head," and they go, "They're already, we already do, we already do." They kick in the door, two white girls on a bed, one black guy in a chair. They beat the shit out of the black guy, and they go, "What are you two doing here?" And then and then throughout the reason the white girls are not treated they're they're not treated completely differently from the black guys they still get fallen in line because they're they're unpure right 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 what are you doing with these guys you don't like this you like the smell of their afro sheen why are you fucking these guys i mean it's yeah. they've what's literally wrong, ver, that's verbalized it's not what's even wrong with us there's no subtext yeah he says what's wrong yeah. with us why yeah. you want to fuck these ends Mm-hmm. It, wow. Yeah, there's like I said, there's no, it's not subtext. It's not implied. No, the no, cops literally there. say that to them. You like the, the, the smell of them, that Afro sheen? You like the smell of that Afro sheen on you? I mean, it's it's nakedly, aggressively racist and terrible. Well, here's something interesting that, that's from the, the LA Times article. is So Anthony Mackie's character, is the actual guy is Robert Green, and they never found him in the making of the movie. So they found some of these, obviously, characters. There's, um, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Hersey had a book. Um, but they never found the guy, and they're hoping that maybe the release of the film is going to make him surface. Oh, I see. But he won't, they couldn't, like, they tracked down a lot, and a lot of people were more than willing to, like, yeah, I'll tell you about that right. night, I'll tell you what happened. And, and some people probably don't want to talk about some, it. And this guy, they just couldn't, he was just like, nope, they they couldn't, you know, they couldn't find her. Well, you get the feeling that Larry doesn't ever want to speak of it again, but then he gets summonsed. They, he, they, he has to testify. And then he testifies. And of course, they walk. The cops are completely acquitted. Mm-hmm. And, and let's talk about John Boyega's character again. Uh, they frame him. Yeah. John Boyega yeah. goes to jail. Initially, the cops bring him in and they, and they go, you have a 38, don't you? So yeah. he's, he's the black security guard. He gets pinched and, and caught in the wash. And you see him, because again, all, all movie long, he's been this neutral, hey, everything's fine. When the cops are questioning him, he starts shaking and he's like, I didn't, what do you, I didn't. And he realizes he's just as black as everybody else. And, right, right. and he wasn't ever, I don't, I never thought he was an uncle Tom. He was literally just trying to be good. Let's right. all be good. Can we all he's be trying okay? To save lives. Exactly. Yeah. And then he winds up charged with the murders. Oh. And then the cops, the only reason they, the cops get pinched is because the, the 
doofus cop who looked like Jeff Richards from Saturday Night Live. They He's the one who flipped. Yeah, he yeah. flips in the office, and then the other dude flips, and they come out and they talk to Kraus, and Kraus goes, "You motherfuckers!" And that the best part is Kraus goes to run. He they he goes, yeah. "You talked, you talked," and he runs and he gets in a cop car, and you see the homicide detective running out after him, and the homicide detective puts his and he goes, "Uh, he goes, I don't have anything to say without my lawyer." And he goes, he goes, give me a break, you racist fuck. Get out of the car before I break your fucking neck. <laughs> and and I clapped. I was just like, this is a good yeah. yeah. <laughs> me and then like two other people like, yeah, Lenny, my brother Lenny. It was just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Finally, somebody says or does the right thing. Finally. Mm-hmm. It's right. this weird release in, in seven words. Right. It's and you're rooting and waiting, even though you know they're gonna go to court and never get fucking put in jail. Right. But at least you get some relief in in for ten seconds. Mm-hmm. It's just it's such a claustrophobic that whole scene in the hotel, and and also the makeup work. I, I they ha- I would give Oscars if we do that sort of thing for makeup or whatever because the bruising is steady. Mm-hmm. Like they you know they're all unmarked, and then as right. they're getting beaten up and as they're getting hit, eyes are swelling and, and yep. cheekbook cheekbones it's all are reddening. Realistic. Yeah, I mean it's and it's over over real time. You mm-hmm. see all of a sudden an eye is swelling shut. I mean, it's just they're because they're getting beaten constantly and shoved into walls and told to turn around and shut the fuck up. And who do you think you are? And I will kill all of you. Literally, there's not again, like I said, there's no vagaries. There's no, well, you guys better tell us or you don't know what will happen. He's literally, I will put bullets in your head. Where's the gun? You will be murdered. I will. Yeah, and then they do the fake thing where they murder guys in the other room. He tells them flat out, I will kill everybody here un- until you tell me. And then they can then they start picking them off one by one. Right. And so they realize they are, we're going to die in here. We are going to die in here. It's, it's, that's why I mean by claustrophobic and also the realization of they, they, they know, even if they were to say, because once the first guy's dead, who they saw, they know Carl's dead. If they say, well, there, yeah, it was a starter pistol. We were just fucking around. They're just going to execute everybody. Right. And because they can't, they can't have it getting out that they shot a guy for a starter pistol. They right. all know they're dead from the jump. Because they get acquitted because it's like, oh, they were we had it was the defend our. Oh, uh, dude, our it's lives. every single cliche you could ever imagine. You know what right. I mean? The, and then all of the every black person who testifies gives a, a a real calm reading of what took place in the room, and they bring up all their priors and all their past crimes and how many times right. they went to jail and what did they, you know, basically with the, what were you wearing? Were you asking for it? Right. They all get that. Finally, one I'd like to know if that's real. One black witness flips on the stand. He goes, "Fuck you! I'm not talking anymore. Fuck you! Why are you asking about me? They killed my friends. Why are you?" And he, and he gets escorted out of the courtroom. And a cop stands up to kind of body him. And he goes, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because the courtroom is half half blue, half right. black. Right. Mm-hmm. It's literally all family and friends and, and African-Americans and then all cops in uniform. Right. And, and when they are announced not guilty on the assault, not even guilty of assault, not even guilty of assault, dude. Right. And, they're, and then they get acquitted of the murders. And it's half horrified and half... Like, the, you know, the black and the cops all jump and they're all shaking hands. And it's just this it's football. It's our team won. Your team lost again. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not sugarcoated <laughs> in any way. No, but that's uh, uh, it's an important film. I think everyone should see it. Uh, I hope the marketing can really uh, ramp up a little bit so more people can see it. I'm worried that this will be like a Fruitvale station where it never gets the marketing push that it deserves. Right. Uh, so more people can see it. So I'm hoping we're well, it's mouth, a it's uh, a hard sell. I'm, I mean, yeah. you're literally saying, "Hey, go watch this textbook," because right. <laughs> yeah. you, you, it is it is. There's no, you know, and then mm-hmm. again, like I said, the first thirty minutes, there's singing and there's brightness and there's hope. Right. And then hope is steadily. Although at the same time, there's also rioting and of course you know, and all those. It's all contrasted, but again, but, mm-hmm. but hope isn't just lost in this movie. Hope right. is beaten to death. Hope is dragged outside <laughs> and tied to a car and dragged down a dirt road. To, to give you an idea, uh, again, I'm going to read from this um, 
excerpt from the L.A. Times, they interviewed uh, Julie Delaney, who was one of the... Uh, She's the one who gets the gun butt in the face. Yeah. And she said, so I'll just read this. She goes, Delaney, then a teenager, had joined up with uh, Malloy and filed some bands in Detroit in the summer of 67. They're at the Algiers because it only cost barely $10 a night. Now in her late 60s and a hairdresser on Hollywood set, she had come from her home in the South for a rare return trip to where the trauma had occurred. She took it all in. Right there is where you registered, and this was the pool, and this is the breezeway between the maid building and the annex where it all happened. She let the memories filter through. People were begging for their lives. I just kept thinking they killed three people. There's one person they haven't taken. Then I'm next. I remember the voice of the cops yelling again and again and again. She said... You know what happens in the movie is like the Smurfs compared to what really happened. Wow. Which, the way you guys describe it and that, which to me <laughs> says like, I give, sounds like, again, it's why Catherine Bigelow is a fantastic director because obviously the person who went through it. <laughs> it's going to be magnified a hundred oh <laughs> You're never going to match times. what they went right. through. Of course not, no. But if you as the it, it, it shows you, you know, that. If, if as an audience you feel a piece of that, the filmmaker's done their job. Yeah, and it sounds like Bigelow did. And, and this this woman is portrayed in the film, like you said, she's a teenager, but she also stands up to the cops because mm -hmm. she realizes she has a bit of white privilege that others don't. So she try, and even though she gets a gun butt in the face and she's able to mouth off, they slap her around. Right. But the guy, the cop, even says to her, What are you doing in a room with them? Why are you in a room with him? And she literally goes, It's 1967. Right. L like, we should be past this by now. And I, I, even the irony of that line, I just went, Oh, Christ. Because you know there are dudes out there who will be like, why are you in a room with these guys? Why are in you at this concert? In 2017. Of course. Right. 50 years later, there are people who still feel like that. Yeah, and they're it's on astonishing. Facebook. Well, yeah. they're all over the place. <laughs> they're all over the place. Yeah, I know. And all, all you can hope is that they get outnumbered eventually. That's that's all you can hope. Right. Right. Or there's something. Something. They slowly wake up or their kids wake up or so, something happens. It's slowly just people start thinking differently. So if you're listening to this, you've already seen the film and you've had the impact that it's had on you, I'm sure. Um, so, and if you, so I know some of you listen to it without seeing the film just to get a little more in depth and insight into it. But, uh, if you're one of those people, definitely go see the film now, now that you've heard us, uh, not, uh, not a tenured performance in it. You, and it, no. you, 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 let's put it this way. When you leave a movie, movies are movies and you can go, Oh, that was a film or whatever. You love the people in this movie that you love. You root for the people you're rooting for and you hate the people you hate. And there's no, it, some people would say you would need ambiguity in in this sort of portrayal. Well, when you see the horror that's put on, there's screen, no ambiguity. There, on there's here. none. It's no. not necessary because you. It's clear a delineation. Who are the bad guys and who are the good guys? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm glad the I'm glad the story is being told. I'm glad it's like I I knew about Detroit riots. I mean, you sort of vaguely know, but this specific thing at the Algiers. This is a specific incident in that. Um, kind of setting of what was going on at the time. But, and but the you, most relevant, yeah, the most relevant, because sometimes, you know, I, look, I, we talk about a lot of period pieces on this show and there's some great ones that come out, but sometimes you're just, sometimes to me a period piece feels like, oh, Hollywood would rather talk about, like they'll green light that story from 50, 60, 100 years ago versus talk about stuff that's really happening right here, right now. And so, so when you can find a story like this that relates directly to what's going on right now. There's a new documentary coming out called Whose Streets, which is about Ferguson. It's about, uh, I think it revolves mainly around a woman that it was like an organizer in the protests after Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson. And so those kind of stories need to be told, but you also need to hear those stories and have the knowledge of this actual event that happened 50 years ago. Right. And, and I applaud that it's being made and I applaud that like we talked about at the top of the show that, or at the other episode, maybe the $34 million budget 
is a good thing. It's all up on the screen. No one, you know, no one got twenty million dollars for this movie, right? right. <laughs> but but the horror, the true horror behind a piece like this is when you watch it and you and like we said, you need to shine lights on incidents like this. Mm-hmm. But when you realize there are thousands of incidents like this that have not had lights shown upon it. Mm-hmm. And and you just see the horror and terror that went into this one night with this group of people, and you realize that was happening then, it's happening now, it does not stop. And you wonder what you can do to try to work against this sort of terror or horror or ignorance, and, and you don't know what to do, and it's frustrating. And it's a, it's a frustrating movie to watch because, like I said, it's once the t- you know the once the tension and the gripping nausea of the the hotel scene ends and it goes in courtroom mode, it's just beats and boilerplate because you go all right well this is going to happen and they're going to make them right, look stupid right. and they're going to get off and and you just you're just throwing your hands and you're going can somebody can logic win out once could it ever win out I, I think... and we got there quicker too like we were saying oh yeah the heart of the movie is the middle I think to answer your question Mike what can we do to do this I think America. And it starts with each, every person individually. We talked about this, I remember after the election a little bit when we had J.B. Updike on and we did the, um, either the 13th spoiler app, I believe we did with him or I Am Not Your Negro. But, and those two movies, especially I Am Not Your Negro, I would recommend watching if you haven't. America needs to stop living in denial. America is living in huge denial. America needs to sit down and go, you know what, we are a racist violent country and we need to do something about it. We are not addressing guns. We are not addressing mental illness. We are we are not addressing the race issue. We are not addressing any of these things. We keep wanting to think it's this little incident, it's this little thing or this little community and we don't want to address it across the board, right? We just don't want to admit it. America wants to still think that we're the good guys. We're well, not. movies like this will help with that for sure. It'll, you know, I'm hoping movies like this will but I, move but the I needle can't, a little bit. But I can't accept that America is a racist country. There are racist elements, and certainly the people in power are unfortunately uh, uh, doing everything they can to to. Mike, how can you how can you say you can't? The, the whole country because there's is enough. Racist. There's a lot of people who are also fighting against it or sure, are trying but, to but change that's, it. But I'm not I'm not I'm not discounting when I say America is a racist country. I'm not discounting the people that are fighting against it. But I'm saying the problem is is we don't want to admit that by and large, societally institutionalized. And culturally, we have serious racism in this country. Of course. And, and, but until yeah. we admit that, if we if we keep going, well, not we everyone's work, bad. We have work to do. We can't we can't we can't keep saying that like, well, not every it's little groups. Uh-uh. This is a very racist country. This is a country where if a white supremacist kills somebody on a train, he's not called a terrorist. He's called a lone a, gunman. Lone yeah, of gunman course, absolutely. Like it's we, all language. It's all there, there's a war of everything going on. Any of that. We yeah. don't want to deal with it. And I think we need to like I, I took quote James Baldwin. I'm not your Negro. He says, he goes, America has a sickness. America's a, a, a brutal place. Like it's, and we, we keep thinking these are isolated incidents. Fuck, two people were shot last weekend in my nice beach neighborhood, right? So, where were you? Santa Monica. No, no, where were you? None of your night? business, Mike. What I do on my time during my birthday weekend <laughs> yeah, is how weird. I. This didn't you know, make the papers. How, how do you know about this incident? You know what I did for my birthday? Maybe I acted out a little death wish. Maybe that's what I did. Maybe I'm keeping the streets clean. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I think America just needs to sit down and go, wow. We're we're out there. We're in seven or eight wars because we need oil. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we need. No, America doesn't want to face any of it. We don't want to know how the sausage is this, made. Uh, on your other show? <laughs> Every <laughs> fucking episode. <laughs> and that's why I have a loyal following. Yes. <laughs>
So uh, any uh, closing thoughts on the film? I think we've covered it pretty, uh, pretty thoroughly. I think people need to see it. It's a hard watch. It I is mean, a hard it's, watch. It's There's made no incredibly well, and it's something. But it's a story that needs to be told. It, Unfortunately, it's a story you're going to say into your in your head. You go, I've seen this. I've, I've seen this. Right. I'm going to keep seeing it. But and, until you, until it's fixed, you got to keep shining lights on it and pointing these things out. And also, yeah. just from a filmmaking perspective, the way uh, it's set up, the way it brings you through the story and into this world, um, yeah. it's it's just really solid filmmaking. I, I saw a great word used. Muscular was the word I used, that they used about Catherine Bigelow's directing in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's there's again, it's there's forceful. no no punches yeah. are pulled, no. Right. Uh, no, no feelings are spared. Mm-hmm. You, you see all of it. I mean, she's it's a, just all up there. She's, she's a, a short, solid director. She's a solid yeah. director. She's on a short. She's a monster. List of, yeah, it's, of, it's, of amazing it's gorgeous. Directors. So it's it's something. Every I think everyone should see this film. It's a really good film. Um, it, it, like I said, there's there's different movies that uh, put this into perspective. Like you could say. Hidden Figures also tackles racism, but in a much different way and mm-hmm. uh, a much more sanitized way. But it still tackles racism. It's still a very important film. Whereas this movie is just brutal and visceral and in your face about uh, racism at a specific time in our country's history. Um, I think these are the types of movies that deserve a, a larger marketing push. But I think, honestly, I think this movie will get a larger marketing push, not now, but come award season. Well, I, I also hope just social it. media, I hope enough people watch it and, and spread the word uh, online. Again, tough watch. It's a tough watch. It's and not also, a movie I think I could see again. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's one of those movies, all right, I've seen it. I don't, I don't think I need to see this and movie a, And again. a real challenge, I think, is because it hits so close to home with actual incidents that have just recently taken place. Yes. There's a lot of fatigue out there from people who are just mm-hmm. like, I can't again. I can't with this. Because right. I have to admit, even that flashed through my head last night when I'm watching it, I'm going, I've seen this story and I know and that the could ending be part and I fucking it. hate it. And that could be part of the reason where um, you know it didn't do as well opening weekend. Yeah. Well, you know why? Because you could watch this movie in 45 second clips on YouTube just oh, yeah. with different right. people starring in mm-hmm. each clip. Right. And you could just watch the news. Oh, here's this cop. And just 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 type in acquitted cops, you know, and just see the 12 <laughs> cops. You know what I mean? Like a guy got choked for selling cigarettes to death. And, and like, I would recommend, yes, Googling that because do not, pu- do not put in menaced dramatics because you will not get nearly as many hits on that <laughs> if you're looking for something relating to this film. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, that is our episode. Uh, spoiler app. Um, Spoiler up 61 Mike Schmidt Where can people find you? Uh, you guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com I'm at Facebook.com slash The 40 Year Old Boy I'm at Twitter.com slash The 40 Year Old Boy uh, and you can find me at uh, Snapchat and Instagram for some reason I'm going to go to jail <laughs> yeah, eventually yeah. for being on Snapchat <laughs> look, it was you one look very confused just... like did like a nephew sign you up for Snapchat? I, just, yeah. I like the picture of the ghost and then I put it on my phone and then all of a sudden I'm like oh is this what this is about? It's literally it's, it's mocks it just Snapchat just mocks old people because it's, it's text <laughs> it's text that disappears so then you right. don't remember what it said it reminds Reminds mm-hmm. you that your failing memory is just prevalent mm-hmm. in your life. How, what is, how long does it last? Isn't it like almost? You like, can choose. It can be can five choose. seconds. It can be ten seconds or whatever, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And and it's uh, it's just it's made to send your cock to people. I always tell people that all the time. Basically, <laughs> uh, now I don't do use it for that certainly. So, so please checks. add me. <laughs> but I'm Mike Four O Y O B on Instagram and on Snapchat. Yeah, all hashtag right. Mike's cock. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you, Aaron Brungard on the ones and twos um, for doing a fine, fantastic job of the All Things Comedy Bunker in studio. And um, yeah, check out Detroit. I guess anything else? No, and look for the sorry uh, the, the kidnap spoiler. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> watch Detroit. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll be doing a kidnap spoiler up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
covering some different themes. Yes. And, <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, Mike Schmidt. Thank you, Aaron. My name is Graham Elwood. I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot first. first.